Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. This is the Pro Player Insiders Podcast, the NFC Preview Edition, and I'm your host, Danny Thompson, checking in with you here on ProPlayersInsiders.com. You can also check me out on Twitter at D-A-N-N-Y, the number three, and the word Thompson, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, on Twitter. Also, my work on ProPlayersInsiders.com. This is, for the next one hour, we're talking everything about the NFC as we get ready for kickoff on Thursday night. Because the spotlight is on the NFC on Thursday night as defending NFL and Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles take on the Atlanta Falcons as a rematch of a divisional round game won by the Eagles, of course, in the playoffs last season. As we talked about in the previous show on the AFC edition, I went over the entire 16 teams that belong in the AFC, just like I've been doing this podcast with the entire NFC, giving my predictions on where they're going to finish, as well as who's going to be in the Super Bowl. And no, I will not in the first 45, 50 minutes or so, tell you who I picked in the AFC for the Super Bowl. But on this podcast, I will also give you my prediction for the AFC and also pick the Super Bowl champion at the same time. So if you want to see my hear my thoughts on the AFC, uh, check us out on the uh, check me out on the actual other podcast with the AFC preview. So the NFC is home, like I said, to the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles, and they have a bunch of teams chasing after them. So let's start from the very top in the NFC East. Like I said, the Eagles are the defending champions, but they're a team with a lot of questions right now. Uh, one of the major questions is the quarterback situation. Now, it's really rare to go into a season when you are the defending champions and you have a quarterback who is an elite quarterback in, uh, in Carson Wentz who's going to miss the start of the season and a backup who actually won you the Super Bowl last year, Nick Foles, and you're wondering about the quarterback situation. Well, Eagles fans have a little bit to be concerned with because Nick Foles did have 10 drives in preseason with no points put on the board. But the Eagles are the Eagles. And the other part is Alshon Jeffrey, this team's number one wide receiver, has missed all the training camp and missed the first couple weeks of the season as he's still trying to get himself completely healthy uh, with the, after the shoulder, which almost didn't put him on the pup list. But he'll be out at least the first couple of weeks. But the good news is Philadelphia doesn't really have that um, much to be, you know, to be concerned with. Because the good news is, when Carson Wentz comes back, Carson Wentz was one of the most elite players in the entire NFL last year, and potentially in a lot of cases could have been the MVP last season. Wentz put up numbers that, to be honest with you, we haven't seen from a quarterback in a long time, especially a guy in his second full season. He's taken that evolution step, but now coming off a complete injury, he has not been cleared for any type of contact. He has done 11-11 drills, but hasn't been cleared. So Eagles fans, as far as Thursday night goes against Atlanta, I don't expect him in the lineup. Um, if you haven't taken any type of contact, any type of hits, I don't think that the, the Eagles are going to risk their franchise player coming back in the game against Atlanta. But really, to be honest with you, if Philadelphia can just get through September, I think we see Carson Wentz probably either at the Tennessee game in week four or even maybe Minnesota in week five coming home uh, from, a, from before a tough stretch before like I said you go through Giants, Carolina, and then the game in London against Jacksonville. So really, I think if, if, if Nick Foles doesn't have to recede himself back to the Nick Foles that we saw a couple years ago and plays the way he did as the Eagles got to, won the Super Bowl last year, the Eagles will be fine. Even if they finish 2-2 two and two in the first four games without wins, the Eagles are in a division where they're going to dominate the entire division because the other three teams in the division aren't exactly the strongest two teams. But let's finish breaking down the Eagles from top to bottom. Yeah, we, yes, they're missing Alshon Jeffrey for the first couple weeks to the shoulder. Uh, Nelson Aguilar had a very good season. Mike Wallace is going to step in in Alshon Jeffrey's place on the other side. Don't work, uh, don't sleep on Mac Hollins, a guy the Eagles are really high on. The real Another problem with Philadelphia is that the running game. 
Now, Jay Ajayi acquired midseason from, from Miami. He was a solid running back, but the short yardage back was LeGarrette Blunt, and Blunt is now in Detroit, a team we'll talk about later on the podcast. Blunt was the guy that you, when you got to be third and short or in that goal line situation, Blunt is one of the few guys in the NFL that would basically cause more impact than he does taking hits. It's hard to tackle a man that's running at you at full speed that's over 200, 240, 250 pounds on a regular basis. They're going to miss that short yardage situation. And I guess the short yardage back. And really, Foles isn't as athletic as Wentz is. And two, the running back situation, there's not really many power backs. They have Corey Clement, who's solid. Uh, Darren Sproles coming off the injury. And Wendell Smallwood, a guy that, you know, has had his moments but hasn't been consistent. One good thing about the Eagles is that even with the receiver situation being, you know, kind of different and the running back situation kind of being suspect, they still have Zach Ertz and, da- and, and Dallas Goddard at the tight end position. Ertz came on last year as one of the most reliable tight ends in the NFL. He's even put himself as one of the better tight ends in the entire league, and he's going to have another huge season, whether it be Foles or Wentz behind the helm. And the offensive line is very solid, led by Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey. The Eagles, the Eagles are stacking the offensive line, so even if the running game doesn't work effectively in the beginning or Foles doesn't get it done, at least they'll be protected. Even Jason Kelsey said yesterday, uh, Kelsey said yesterday that they're just trying to find ways to keep Foles um, you know, pumped up and motivated because it's been a rough preseason for Foles. Now, the defensive side of the ball, the Eagles are stacked everywhere. The Eagles have one of the best units in the entire NFL, top to bottom as far as actual quality of players. Defensive line, Brandon Graham and Michael Bennett, along with Derek Long and Chris and Chris Derek Barnett and Chris Long are going to be coming from the, the pass rushing edges. Bennett came over from um, Seattle. This is going to provide another huge body. Fletcher Cox and Hagodi Nada are stuck in the middle, and you think running is going to be running the ball is going to be uh, effective against those guys. Pretty much how it works. Um, Jordan Hicks at the middle of the linebacker position. Uh, Nigel Bradham is okay, and Nate Gary will do make will make enough plays. But the secondary is very very good. Roland Darling, Jalen Mills are your two corners. I like Sidney Jones as the nickelback. Dose and then the safeties are Rodney McLeod and Malcolm Jenkins. Of course, Jenkins is one of the best safeties in the entire league, and um, one of the better captains of a defense on the backside on the back end. And the Eagles, the Eagles get Eagles have solid kicking with Jake with Jake Elliott and Cam Johnson and the special teams. So the real question for Philadelphia is that. Not can they get not, not can they survive without Carson Wentz until he's completely healthy. Is when the, when can they clinch this division? Because the other three teams in the division aren't exactly the strongest suits, and it's not because of lack of trying. If you look at the Washington Redskins, for example, the Redskins went out and got Alex Smith. They went out and drafted Darius Geis in the first round of the draft. They still have guys like Jamison Crowder and Paul Richardson, a guy they also paid money to bring in from Seattle. Josh Dodson, that receiver, and Josh Re- Jordan Reed as your tight end with Vernon Davis. Well, a funny thing happened on the way to the NFL regular season. Alex Smith is still a game manager. He's still going to be a solid game manager. Problem is, they lost Darius Geis in the beginning of the first game of preseason. Samaj Pirline is now out as well, too. And the running the running game has gotten to be a little bit more suspect. Rob Kelly was a guy coming in as the, um, as the incumbent, along with Chris Thompson. Two guys that don't really, you know, uh, turn that needle. And then they went out and signed Adrian Peterson. Now, Peterson had a really, really solid game, 11 carries, 53 yards in week three of preseason. But remember, you don't know what Adrian Peterson you're going to get. Now, I know the days of him being in Minnesota are completely gone, but the last two stops he had was not really really memorable. We saw what happened in New Orleans. He didn't even make it past even to uh, Halloween out in New Orleans. And he ended up in Arizona, and that didn't really turn out too well either. Peterson says he has, some, he has something left in him, and if he can give the Redskins something to take some of the pressure off Alex Smith so you have to throw the ball 40 times a game, that's going to be fine. I like Jameson Crowder, but he's not really a number one receiver. Paul Richardson is coming from a Seattle offense that doesn't you know, show his talents very well, but he has a lot of downfield potential. I like Josh Dobson. Now, when you have Jordan Reed at tight end, that's a very, very solid start at tight end. The problem with Jordan Reed is that Jordan Reed has never shown really big signs of health in his career. When Jordan Reed's healthy, he's a you know he's an upper echelon tight end in this NFL in the league. But the problem with Jordan Reed is that Reed can't stay healthy. Uh, in his entire five-year career, Reed's never played more than 14 games. And really, the last two years, he's played he played six last season and he played 12 the year before. When he is in the lineup, go back to 2015, we played 14 games. He caught 87 passes with 11 touchdowns. That's the that's what the Redskins are looking for for him to actually you know to put the numbers he tried to put up because even in games last year um, his best game was a week seven last year against Philly we caught two touchdowns 
if he's in the lineup and he's getting the ball, he's very, very productive. To be a tight end that averages about around 10 yards a catch is very, very solid. Now, like I guess up top, you know, Paul Richardson, the guy they brought in from Seattle, they pay him a huge contract and, you know, five years, $40 million for a guy that's coming off his best season of his career, 44 catches, 700 yards in Seattle last season. But, but previous to that, he caught 29 in 2014, 21 in 2016. He hasn't really been a productive receiver. He's caught 53, 52 career passes before last season, and now he's coming into a role where he has to be the main one of the main targets. Uh, like I said, Jameson Crowder is a solid receiver. You know, so I mean, Crowder, Crowder, he's not a type of guy. You know, he gets in space. He's not the biggest of receivers at five nine from Duke, uh, one hundred seventy seven pounds, but he's just very productive. Um, even a poor man's uh, uh, Jarvis Landry. Like I said he's he's a guy that just catches a lot of balls when it is thrown to him. Uh, he said he caught 67 in 2016, uh, 66 last year. He's been right around the 66, 67 you know, catch mark last couple seasons. So he's going to be a solid guy on that end. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, that's where the Redskins get to be a little bit suspect on defense. When One thing about Washington in this division is that you have to be able to stop people on, both, uh, on, the, on the defensive side of the ball. Well, in Washington's case, their defense isn't exactly the strongest uh, except for the back line. Now, Mason Foster and Zach Brown are your middle linebackers. Ryan Kerrigan is going to be a, is going to be a, um, a you know a, a guy on the outside pressure and a passer. I'm not really sure what you're going to get from Dur- uh, Darian Payne or Jonathan Allen uh, on the defensive line, so which puts a lot of pressure on Josh Norman, of course, who's never lived up to the expectations of that humongous contract. Quentin Dunbar is going to be the other star on the other side. Washington will struggle. In the very beginning, but really this is all depending on what Alex Smith does. I'm not really big on Washington to do much damage, especially with the running game being the way it is. And the defense being a little bit on the suspect side, but on but a guy to watch, like I said, is Ryan Kerrigan. I think Kerrigan's going to have a phenomenal season. Had 13 sacks in 2014. I think Kerrigan get those numbers back up. He had 13 last year, 11 in 2016. Uh, he's been the big sack artist guy, and he's going to be the one that is going to be you know, the leader of the defense. Um, and, you know, he's been really solid. So not big, not too high on the Redskins, but they can, you know, they might win a couple of games here and there, but I don't think they're going to be a threat to Philadelphia in the East. Now, as far as potentially be a threat, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the New York, the New York football Giants. The one thing with the Giants is that the Giants have weapons everywhere. Eli Manning is finally back in the quarterback slot um, after his consecutive game streak ended abruptly last season. The coaching turmoil that went on in New York last season, which basically got the head coach fired. And now a brand new regime is in and Eli Manning is back in the starting spot. Unfortunately, his consecutive game streak is over with. They took they used their um, first round pick on Saquon Barkley to resurrect the running game that hasn't been there in a very, very long time. Barkley is a big play guy. You saw him at Penn State. He is a guy, when he gets in space, remember his first touch in the NFL against the Browns? I think it was like a 35, 36-yard run he had. And he is a home run hitter. Of any running back in this division, of Ezekiel Elliott, he is the home run guy in this division. When Eli is throwing the ball, he has a healthy Odell Beckham Jr., a guy who just got his $95 million contract. He got paid. He's the highest paid receiver in the NFL until uh, Julio Jones gets his new contract next at the end of the season. Beckham is, is, is flanked by Sterling Shepard, a very, very underrated wide receiver and a guy that does he gets the he get, he does gets the job done. Um, I like Cody Latimer, Russell Shepard as the three and four guys, and Evan Ingram is going to be a solid. Uh, he's always puts up solid numbers at the tight end spot. The Giants will score points. Let's not get it twisted. Now the real problem is on for the Giants is that. Can the Giants stop somebody? On the defensive side of the ball, can they protect somebody? The Giants' offensive line is not that good. Uh, Nate Soldier is is, is going to be on the left side. Um, Eric Flowers. The the unit is not exactly the strongest, and we don't have a very good offensive line. It's also going to cause issues as far as protecting Eli Manning and especially trying to run the ball with a rookie running back. On the defensive side of the ball, Damian Harrison leads the defensive line. B.J. Hill and Davin Tomlinson will be on the on the outside, the pass rushing sides, Kerry Wynn and Mario Edwards should see some time, especially on the pass on the passer downs. Uh, Olivier Vernon is going to be on the outside with Kareem Martin. Uh, the linebacker position, Al Overtree coming, um, the former uh, L.A. Ram is going to be stuck in the middle. B.J. Goodson is going to help him with Ray Ray Armstrong in the interior side of the linebacker side. Now, the one thing I do like about the Giants is that they have a very, very good secondary. Janoris Jenkins, Eli Apple, um, I think will have solid seasons on both sides of the corners. I like Landon Collins at the safety position. 
The Giants are going to get themselves in a lot of shootouts. The real question is, can Eli Manning stay upright all season? If he can stay upright all season, the Giants could be one of those sneaky teams in the playoffs because Odell Beckham <clears throat> is one of the few players in the NFL that can break games open individually. He doesn't need anything more than just a couple spaces to do what he needs to do, and he gets into the open space, and he does it very, very well. One of the few guys that can go one-on-one -on -one with any corner in the league and be very, very successful. Now, a team we haven't mentioned in this division is always a team that has the, one of the more interesting fan bases entirely, the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys, the offseason's been tumultuous, uh, but an interesting offseason as you know the, the exodus of the uh, former Cowboy, you know, Des Bryant is now gone. Bryant still hasn't found a team. I don't know we're going to find one before the season. And they break, they replace him with Alan Hearns. And the, and the Cowboys offense really is dependent on how big Ezekiel Elliott does in the uh, this season. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the few running backs in the league, other than Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, who I'll talk about later, that is a frontier headline back. Um, he does... He does so much for the, the Cowboys on the off, as far as rushing the ball. Um, a career 100-yard game rusher. This is like this. Ezekiel Elliott played 26, 25 games in his career and has 12 100-yard games. So he gets one every two games. Last season, he had five in the 10 games that he played last season. Uh, remember, he did have the suspension, which cost to, cost to him and the Cowboys a lot of the middle part of the season, especially in November. It was still questionable why he, he decided to take the suspension at that point in time, especially um, in the last game in Week 5. He had 93 yards, but the three previous games, that he had 100, he had 100 yards in three of those games. By the time he got back, the Cowboys were pretty much out of playoff contention. Now, when teams stack the box on Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott is going to have to make plays. Unfortunately, Bryant's gone. Unfortunately, Jason Witten retired. Well, Prescott has to get it done with a, a group of receivers that is not exactly the best group of receivers. Um, the difference between last year's Dak and the year, the year before, uh, Dak's rookie season, 23 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Last year, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. The completion percentage went down by almost five, almost 6% last season from year over year. It was just a down year for Prescott all the way around. And even when games where Prescott has put up good numbers, the Cowboys just weren't winning. Um, but what he need, what he does better than anybody else is that Prescott can get to the outside and they run a lot of the read option and Prescott has enough ability with his feet to make plays. And if Elliott's running the ball well and, Ezekiel, and, um, and Dak is hitting receivers – it's gonna. It, the Cowboys are one of those teams, especially with that offensive line, that's going to be hard to stop on the offensive side of the ball. Speaking of receivers, the receiving core is not exactly the, the biggest strength of the Cowboys this year. Now they have guys who have been around the league for a while, and Terrence Williams has to be the guy that has to step in his role as the big play receiver. Uh, he never. He has not developed into it. Uh, his best season was back in 2014 when he caught eight touchdown passes. But really, last season, 10 yards a catch. You know, the year before, you know, only 44 receptions. He hasn't had that breakout season. Now, the Cowboys went out and did sign Alan Hearns in the offseason. Uh, Hearns has been, Hearns was really good in Jacksonville, but the one thing about Alan Hearns is that Alan's never really had a healthy season. Uh, the last two seasons, you know, he just, he's missed time with the groins, had some, he's been really injury prone the last two seasons, but his last full season, when he was healthy back in 2015, when Blake Bortles made the Pro Bowl, he caught 10 touchdowns for 1,000 yards that season. Uh, with the 64 catches in Jacksonville that season. If he is healthy, he does have a chance to um, help Dallas, especially down the field. Um, he, his, like I said, at his healthiest, he was a 16-yard a catch receiver, uh, like I said, back in Jacksonville when Blake Bortles was throwing the ball down the field. A guy you want to watch, of course, for Dallas is Cole Beasley, um, a guy who's you know a slot guy, your Danny Amendola type or J Julian Edelman type of receiver that just gets in open space, and he has very, very good quickness. Now, they also brought in Tavon Austin, a guy that played for the Rams the last couple years, special teams with. But if Austin's one of those guys, kind of like Beasley, if he gets in open space and he gets the ball, he does make plays. Last year, he did not have the receiving numbers that we expected him to have. Because remember, he only caught 13, ca he had 13 catches for a career low 2.9 yards a catch. But a career low, I'm sorry, let me fix that. He caught 13 passes last season with a Carrillo 3.6 yards a catch. That's not exactly what you expect from a guy like Tavon Austin. If you go back to his better seasons where he was with the, with, with the Rams, he's one of those guys that can, he runs the ball, he receives the ball, returns kicks. He's a, you know, he's more of a, a kind of a gadget guy. Go back to 2015, he had nine touchdowns, 10 touchdowns total, 
five receiving, four on the ground, or one of the in special teams. So he should see some time in the slot. And really, if he can get some, some open opportunities, I mean, like I said, with Cole Beasley, those two guys can make some moves on the outside. And Dallas, kind of like the Giants, can score points because they have an effective offense, but it really depends on Dak Prescott. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, the Cowboys have always had a solid defense. The problem is that the Cowboys defensive captain, Sean Lee, can't stay on the field. If Sean Lee is healthy and on the field, he captains one of the best, de- one of the better defenses in the NFL, especially Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory when his head's in the game on the outside, Pat rushing the passer. Jalen Smith is coming off. He's, he's starting to become much more healthier and might be back to the Jalen Smith that we saw when he was at Notre Dame and the one the Cowboys have been ra- raving over. And their front seven is solid. Like I say, it all depends on if Sean Lee can stay healthy. Sean Lee is one of those guys, when he's healthy, he's one of the best in the NFL at the linebacker position, but when he's not healthy, the Cowboys defense does suffer. When I say he's not healthy, Lee has missed parts of games in, the, in each of the se- uh, last couple seasons. Um, he missed five last season. He was relatively healthy in 2016. We had 145 tackles. Go back to 2013, he had 99 tackles only in 11 games. Like I said, when he's in the lineup, Sean Lee makes a humongous difference. And if he's in the lineup, uh, healthy, and healthy calling the plays on defense, the Cowboys would be very solid, especially in the front seven. Because when you said we have Demarcus Lawrence uh, rushing the passer on the right-hand side, on the defensive line side, it's going to be a lot of pressure from quarterbacks, especially Lawrence. Lawrence had ten, um, he had the 15 sacks last year. If you look at Lawrence, his 15 sacks last year was uh, more than what he had the first three years combined. He's playing on a franchise tag, which means if he has a, another big season, the payday is coming. What you want to know is that on the Demarcus Lawrence side, especially playing fantasy football and ID uh, with uh, defensive players, Demarcus Lawrence had the set had, and led the NFL in the pass rusher rate, the highest among any defensive lineman last season, with 17.1 pressures uh, on the when he was on the field. That should tell you something. He gets to the quarterback uh, on a regular basis, and you know what? If he's rushing the passer, Sean Lee's calling the plays on defense. It really relies, everything relies on the secondary. And the Dallas secondary will be tested a lot, especially in a division that has a lot of good receivers. So Byron Jones and company are going to get tested a lot. So, as we transition out to the, add the NFC, AFC, NFC East, let's get into the NFC, sorry, the NFC North Division. The North Division has had a bunch of changes in the last uh, 40 hours, as like I said, because uh, a guy enters the division... And it, it's very rare when a guy changes divisions right before the season that kind of makes a landscape change. You know, before we started talking about, you know, before we started talking about how good the division was going to be, there was there wasn't a defensive terror that just somehow joined the division right before the season started. The Bears acquired Khalil Mack in a trade on Saturday, which kind of rocked the entire NFL, especially rocked the NFC North, because of the division with two pocket passers, Matt Stafford and Mitchell Jabinski, and um, I'm sorry, Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins uh, for the, on the Bears side of things, and Aaron Rodgers, the best player in the division. Now they add the Bears add the most premier pass rusher in the entire NFL and probably one of the best players in the NFL in the entire league onto a defense that was considerably one of the better defenses in the NFL has now put them, in my opinion, in the top seven. And Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins are going to be worried about uh, their offensive linemen protecting them all season. So let's start with the let's start with the Minnesota Vikings, the team that won the division last year. That came along, uh, Case Keenum and company led this team. Got to the NFC Championship game, and of course, got blown out by the Eagles in that championship game. So what did they do? Keenum's now in Denver. They went out and got Kirk Cousins from Washington. Cousins is a gunslinger, a gunslinger, and a guy who is a very accurate quarterback that gets the ball to his receivers. Cousins is at thirty. He got the $72 million guarantee. One thing about Cousins is that Cousins will take chances. Now, he had he's kind of mistake-prone at times, but Cousins threw for 4,900 yards in 2016, 40, almost 4,100 yards last year with not exactly the best receiving crew. But one thing about Cousins is that he throws the deep ball very well, and we have guys like Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs who can get down the field. It leads to a lot of big plays, and expect the, expect the Vikings to have a lot of big plays especially down the field. If you look at back um, in Kirk Cousins' third preseason game against the Seahawks, he threw 28 passes in the first half. That should tell you something. He will hit receivers, and Stephon Diggs is going to have a humongous season. Speaking of Diggs and Adam Thielen, they're one of the best one-two combinations in the NFL at the receiver position, and they're going to be leading an offense 
that should have much more uh, bigger numbers, especially uh, with Kirk Cousins behind the helm, because you can take more chances down the field. And Thielen, a guy that came along, I'm not going to say from nowhere, because he's gotten better each of the last couple seasons. Thielen last year caught 91 passes for 1,278 yards. Expect the the numbers to go up, especially the touchdown numbers. He only caught four last season. He might get close to that 7-8 mark uh, this season with Cousins behind the helm. Stephon Diggs on the other side. Diggs is the playmaker, the big play guy. Um, he averaged 13.3 yards a catch last season, but don't let the numbers fool you. Keenum is a good quarterback, but he's one of those game-managing quarterbacks. Cousins will take the chances down the field. And remember, Stephon Diggs has the potential to be an elite receiver, fourth-year guy from Maryland. Uh, he's got size, really, really good speed, and he will deep down the field. Uh, in preseason, he did catch 7 of the 12 passes attempts that was thrown at him, 86 yards, and he has really, really big upside this season for the Vikings. In the backfield, Davin Cook is now healthy. Latavius Murray is his backup. Murray coming off an injury. Davin Cook coming off an injury. The one thing with Davin Cook is that Cook is going to be a guy that had so much potential when the season started last season and now is going to be coming in to um, to learn his role a lot better. And like I said, when you have a quarterback like Kirk Cousins and one of the best offense lines in the league, it makes things easier for Cook. Now, Murray... Um, Started off slow, got stronger as the season came along. As soon as he started getting more touches and more carries, after week five, the numbers got up. He had 842 yards last season, so it's another solid another solid potential backup. But Cook is the guy that you're going to be seeing a lot of. He's going to be the big, he's going to be the guy, especially um, as Minnesota is deeper and deeper in the season. He gets much more comfortable coming off the ACL injury. Um, you have a nice little two-headed monster. And don't forget, Kyle Rudolph is your tight end as well, too. One of the best tight ends in the NFL. Very big security blanket uh, for Case Keenum last year. Caught 53, 57 passes. But if you go back to his best season, 2016, where he caught 83 passes for seven touchdowns. One thing about Rudolph you'll know is that Rudolph does just get in the end zone. He's very big in the red zone. Caught eight touchdowns last season, seven the year before. And when you have a size of 6'6", 265, it's kind of like the, the new age tight ends. You get inside that red zone. You throw it up to him and let him go get it. Rudolph is one of the best guys in going to get it. The Vikings offensive line is just solid all the way around. Uh, it's just they, they block. They're nasty. And they're just as nasty as their defense, which is one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now, how come, you know, where are the Minnesota Vikings when it comes to all this? How does this all work? The Vikings have to win games defensively because they're going to, they're going to, I mean, if they can start winning games defensively, the offense is going to score a lot of points. If the offense doesn't have to score a lot of points, the defense can win games as well too. Everson Griffin uh, leads the pass rush on the defense on, on the on pass rushing side. Anthony Barr, uh, Eric Kendricks in the linebacking core, and the corners, the secondary, one of the best in the NFL. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, um, uh, high draft choice Mike Mike Hughes are all going to be in the cornerback position. Hughes is also a dangerous return man. Go watch any of his tape at UCF. There's a reason why teams didn't kick them at UCF. Harrison Smith, one of the best safeties in the NFL. And they have good coaching. Mike Zimmer is a very, very good coach. The Vikings are a dangerous team. Now they have a quarterback. We all said in the offseason, if they only had a quarterback who can make plays throwing the football, how dangerous can the Vikings be? Well, the Vikings were very, very good last year. They're even more dangerous this year. The rest of the division is a very interesting case. This might be the best division of football. The Green Bay Packers, good news, they gave Aaron, Aaron Rodgers the contract. Bad news is that Jordy Nelson, his big security blanket for the last, seemed like forever, is now in Oakland. Devontae Adams has to play a bigger role. Randall Cobb has got to find Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb hasn't been Randall Cobb in the last couple years. If Randall Cobb can go back to the receiver that he was back in 2014, even 2015, the, the Packers will be A-OK. The problem is Randall Cobb hasn't had the production that he had um, four or five years ago. And Aaron's got to give him the football. The one thing with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is that Rodgers makes a lot of plays. Rodgers is a gunslinger. Rodgers does this. And there's not too much Aaron Rodgers can't do as far as running throwing, running, and throwing the football, especially hitting guys deep down the field. Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery are your two running backs. Don't sleep on Aaron Jones. He had a couple big games last season. But the Packers on the offensive side of the ball added another weapon. They added Jimmy Graham from... Um, the Seattle Seahawks and also Mercedes Lewis from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Two very, very solid tight ends. Graham had his best season in Seattle last season, which was his last season. We all know how good Jimmy Graham is, especially in the red zone. Now they have another target. Hey, look, Jimmy Graham was an elite tight end a couple years ago in New Orleans. Like I said, he struggled uh, when he went to Seattle. Like I said, last season was his best received his best received season in Seattle. Um, but really, Seattle is not known for his passing. His passing, 
go back to New Orleans. Jimmy Graham was a monster in New Orleans. I mean, three seasons of 10 touchdowns. He had a nine-touchdown season in 2012. He still has the ability to go up and get it. He might be a little bit older at 31. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is going to be another guy. Uh, very, very good security blanket as long as he holds on to the ball. The Packers are going to be an offense that scores. The one question is that can they can protect the quarterback? The Packers offensive line is not exactly the strongest offensive line in the league. Um, and they have their moments where they kind of have a lot of, a lot of breakdowns, and Rodgers does get pressured a lot. But Aaron Rodgers does have foot speed. Aaron Rodgers gets around, folks. So I'm not saying that's a, that's a bad thing, but hopefully they keep Aaron up. On the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, they're led by Trevon Williams and Kevin King at the corners. Clay Matthews is on the outside linebacker position. Blake Martinez is a very underrated inside middle linebacker. They have to get pressure on the defensive line from Muhammad Wilkinson, Mike Daniels, and Kenny Clark have to rush the passer because they have solid corners. And HaHa Clinton Dix, one of the best names in the league, he backs up his name, is, is one of the better uh, young free safeties in the entire league. The Packers are going to score points with the best of them. The question is, can they score? Can, they, can the defense stop them enough? to give the offense enough chances because when you have weapons like Adams, Cobb, Graham, Lewis, and your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance to win every single week in the NFL. The Detroit Lions are the team that has talent everywhere, but the Lions' main issue has been the running game for the last couple of years. When your offense has Matt Stafford, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you have Marvin Jones, you have Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, a guy that a lot of people are looking at, especially in fantasy football, to make an impact. They got Luke Wilson from the Seattle Seahawks, former Seattle Seahawks, to play tight end. They're kind of like the Lions, kind of like the Packers, and like the Vikings. They can score points on offense. The question with the Lions is that what can they do in the running game? Carryon Johnson is the starting running back as of now. Theo Riddick is one of the best third down receiving backs the entire league. He's caught, I think, 50 balls last couple seasons. He leads the Lions running uh, attack. He has more uh, all-purpose yards for the running back position than any Lion over the last few years. And they brought in LeGarrette Blunt. Even though Blunt is not a every down back, the one thing about LeGarrette is that if it's third and one or in the goal line situation, you know he's getting the ball. That's the one thing the Lions haven't had. As long as Carryon Johnson can do the things inside the, uh, inside the 20s and let Stafford make plays on the outside, the offense for the Lions will score a lot of points. Now, the defensive side of the ball for the Lions could be a little bit of a, could be a little bit of a, a little bit of an adventure. Uh, now, not saying Ezekiel uh, outside of Ezekiel Ancelot on the defensive side on the defensive line, they have guys that get there a little bit of question marks, especially in the secondary. Uh, Darius Slay, uh, Grover Quinn back in the secondary, uh, Quadron Diggs at the safety position. Um, they're okay. Nothing to write home about. Slay is going to be the number one corner, the shutdown corner. But in a division that has a lot of, a lot of receivers, Slay is going to be tested a lot. And the Lions secondary is going to be tested a lot. Last year, Slay did have um, eight interceptions, was in the Pro Bowl. Like I say, I'm not worried about him on his side. I just worry about the rest of the Lions, especially at the corners, when you have receivers in the division, Thielen, Diggs. You have, like I said, Devontae Adams. You have with, um, Allen Robinson in Chicago. They're good receivers. And when Darius Slay is stuck on one of them, can the other Lions corners shut the number two receivers down for other teams, especially guys in the slot? Now, Darius Slay did make the Pro Bowl last year. has best season in the NFL last season. Like I said, the eight interceptions last year, 60 tackles. He is one of the best cover corners in the NFL. Um, but the Lions have to, like I said, in the division, the Lions have to deal with a lot of good receivers. It, the secondary is going to get a lot of pressure from teams because they throw the ball a lot. In Chicago, the Bears, like I said, the Bears added um, Khalil Mack on Saturday to add to a pass rush that has rookie Roquan Smith uh, and Akeem Hicks, um, Jonathan Bullard on the defensive line. The Bears are going to make a lot of noise. Leonard Floyd, Sam Acho, those guys are going to make a lot of noise on the defensive side of the ball. Danny Trevathan, the, they're really good on defense. The Bears have a lot of potential to be this year's version of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I want to say that, like, that is a very, very good defense and a quarterback that has to be able to make plays. When I say that the defense is that good, the Bears have a very, very good defense. They're a top seven defense. Now you add um, Khalil Mack to that defense, and Mack just got the contract, and Mack wants to prove that, hey, listen, it was a dumb mistake by the Raiders to trade me in the first place. It's very rare that elite pass rushers get traded right before the season starts. Max had three consecutive seasons of 10 sacks, had 10 and a half last year, 11 the year before, 15 his breakout season of 2015. He is one of the best in the NFL. The question with Mac is that he hasn't been in training camp. He he wasn't. It was a no-show at Oakland uh, all throughout the entire summer through training camp. And even though he's expected to play in week one, 
it might take a little bit of time for Khalil to get used to playing in Chicago. A new defensive scheme is a little bit different to make a change, especially this late in the season. But with Max talent on the defense, uh, his his talent level is elite. He's one of the elite players in the league defensively. I think the adjustment period will take time. Now the real question is, what are they going to do on the offensive side of the ball? Mitch Trubisky has is the second year in the league. Trubisky has up and down moments last year. Um, some good, some bad. He finished the season with seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. Like I said, he had some good moments and bad moments in the 12 games he played last year. But if you go back and look at the last couple games he played, he did show some some signs of flashes. You go back to the Detroit game where he threw for over 300 yards in that game, final game of the season against Minnesota. He threw for 178. He just, it's just up and down. Trubisky has a huge arm, had a lot of the... Uh, the hype coming from North Carolina when he was drafted uh, with the second overall pick in 2017. He is the, the guy that's going to make or break the Bears all season. Offensively, the talent-wise, especially the running back position, is very loaded. They have Jordan Howard. Tariq Cohen's going to have a huge season being in that um, in that role of being the third down guy, receiving guy, um, pass catcher guy. And then when you have your head coach, Matt Nagy, a guy that knows how to use guys like him because, like I say, you go back to his days – uh, when he was offensive coordinator in Kansas City last year, he had weapons galore. Uh, expect Allen Robinson, the guy who came off a complete injury in Jacksonville, to return to his form as a Pro Bowler, Pro Bowl form receiver. He was in Jacksonville. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, a guy they spent a lot of money on coming from Atlanta, is going to be the slot guy. But the guy, the uh, number two guy, but the guy I want everybody to watch is Anthony Miller, rookie from Memphis. He's a guy that caught a lot of passes in a high-power offense in Memphis last year. I had a chance to watch him a couple times in the American Conference. He's extremely talented. and I think he's going to be the guy that could potentially break out if you're looking for a guy that's in those keeper leagues in fantasy. Miller is one of those guys you want to look at. Uh, he had a solid preseason. Um, with Miller, he, he's, he, comes, he comes from a pass-heavy offense at, at Memphis. And like I said, offense coordinator Matt, Matt Nagy can get the best out of his offense. That's, he's one of those guys that you want to look at as a guy that can get the offensive, uh, offense motivated. Now, the problem with the Bears is that, like I said, you're, you're asking a second-year quarterback to elevate a team. If Trubisky has a season like Blake Boyles did last year, because Jordan Howard is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL, a guy that's going to get a whole lot more touches, I think he puts up a, a huge season. Uh, last year, 1,100 yards, 1,300 his rookie season. Because Matt Nagy believes in Jordan to be on the field on third downs, there's nothing that says that Jordan Howard can't be a top five running back by the end of the season, especially if his, the work that he's made on his hands is proven to be on the field because Nagy wants to get his best playmaker the ball, and Jordan Howard is the best playmaker for the Bears. If Trubisky gets his team going, like I said before, the Bears are the sleeper team in the NFC. Let's speak of the teams in the NFC that has... A lot of sleeperness to them. Let's go to the NFC West because the hot team on everybody's minds is in the NFC West. Now, the NFC West does have the best team, uh, the team, the best defense in the NFC in the LA Rams, a team that is star-studded everywhere on the defensive side of the ball. And when I say star-studded, they they have more defensive names than anybody else in the entire NFL. They got Aaron Donald uh, back in the back finally and he- and happy. Uh, after giving him the best, the biggest contract before Khalil Mack in the NFL history on the defensive side of the ball, ninety was eighty-seven million dollars he got guaranteed, uh, about one hundred and thirty million uh, if it's what is all said and done. He's had to go through the contract. A defense that has himself, the Dominican Sue, Michael Brockers on your defensive line. They have Marcus Pierce and Akib Talib as your corners. They are as talented as you find anywhere. Mark Barron, a linebacker. This group is talented and they are hungry and they're nasty. One thing that Ram we can you haven't said about the Rams in years, this defense is legit. Donald is just a game breaker on defense. The Dominican Sue is gonna find life after after a couple interesting seasons in Miami. He's now gonna be rejuvenated and Sean McVay is gonna have him ready to go. Sue hasn't had his big season since he was back in Detroit. Uh, you know, it's been up and down the last couple of years in Miami. Had a really good season back in 2016. Just has been up and down. But when you have Aaron Donald on one side and you have Sue and Michael Brockers, it is going to be trouble for quarterbacks everywhere. Now, the one thing about the Rams is that they return Jared Goff at quarterback. They have the NFL's um, leading rusher returning in Todd Gurley. I mean, Gurley. Like I said, between him, Le'Veon Bell, and and David Johnson are probably the three best running backs in the entire NFL. Todd Gurley, 
stepped out of his comfort zone, caught 65 passes, 64 passes last season, had 1,300 rushing, 1,300 rushing yards. He had 13 touchdowns, 19 total. Gurley signed the extension. Listen, Gurley is a man-child. He's shown that he has shown the health that people, people are worried about. Gurley is a man. He's just a beast. Best game of the season last year. Go back to week 16 last year. Uh, go back to week 16 last year against the Tennessee Titans. 118 yards receiving, 158 yards, 158 yards receiving, 118 yards rushing. He is a beast and a load to take down. The real thing is that Jared Goff had a very, very good season, but the receiving core got strong in the offseason by adding Brandon Cooks. But can Jared Goff make the plays and have enough big games to show everybody that he know? That it's more than just Gurley on the offense side of the ball. Last year, um, Golf had 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions, but he kind of went missing in the playoff game last year. Golf had very, very solid up and down season. Remember, Jared Golf is playing for a humongous contract. Um, he saw Matt Ryan, what Matt Ryan got. He's looking for the pay raise uh, down the road. And but really, Jared Golf was known not for the season he had last year, but he was known for the playoff game last year when they were at home. You know, they had the big season. They were at home in the playoffs and got obliterated by Atlanta. He was not effective at all. And that's what stood out by Jared Goff last season. Goff had a tremendous, had a really, really good season last year. But you go back to that playoff game and it was just, that's the lasting image of the Rams last season was that playoff game. If Goff gets this out of his mind, the Rams have all the talent in the world to make a run at the NFC uh, and make a run at the Eagles and be one of the top teams in the NFC, especially with a defense like that. I love Todd Gurley. Uh, Brandon Cooks is going to come in. I think he's going to make a lot of plays on the outside. Robert Woods has become better and better. Um, even though Brandon Cooks didn't have what we thought was going to be the season he had in New England, he still caught 1,000 yards last year. I think we've seen more of what the Brandon Cooks that we saw in New Orleans more than New, than New England last year. And I think Cooks is going to have a, a, a phenomenal season. I like Farrell Cooper. I like Cooper Cup um, at the receiver position backing up. Uh, Cooks and Robert Woods. Uh, Tyler Higby is gonna be, it's an interesting case at tight end. Uh, I think he might be a, I think he might be a steal for some teams, and the Rams' offense line is pretty solid as well too. Now the Seattle Seahawks, on the other hand, is a team that's kind of on the downswing. They still have Russell Wilson, but the defense has gotten older. A lot of the defensive guys that have been there for the Legion of Boom for the last few years are no longer with the team. That's the thing with the, the Seahawks, and that's kind of hard, you know, to make them a chance to say they're going to win the division. They've lost a lot of guys, but when you have Russell Wilson, it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson as well, too. When I say the Legion of Boom is gone, the only person left in that secondary um, from the days of Richard Sherman and those group is is Earl Thomas, and Earl Thomas is not even coming close to being part of this team right now. You know, he's still a little frustrated with the with the with the contract situation. And like I said, the cha- the transition of Legion of Boom is starting to go away. Bobby Wagner's still there and KJ Wright's still there. Uh like Shaquem Griffin at linebacker. Um they lost Mike they lost Michael Bennett to Philadelphia. It's just a transition from one guard to the next. But on the positive side for the Seahawks, you still have Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had his be- arguably his best pure set of numbers in the NFL last season of his entire career. R- Wilson was phenomenal last year, led the NFL touchdown passes with 34. Uh, he also ran for 586 yards last year, rushed for three more touchdowns. Even though he hit the 4,000 uh, passing yard mark last year, w- Wilson might have had his best season since you know the, um, the 2015 season where the Seahawks, you know, we threw, th- threw 34 touchdowns that year uh, for the Seahawks that year. Wilson is still one of the most dangerous players in the league, even though he doesn't get the credit where he does. Now, he still has Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett at receivers. They brought in Brandon Marshall as a third target. Um, they lost Jimmy Graham, like I said earlier, to Green Bay. And the running game is still the running game. And the funny thing about Russell Wilson is that when he has had a good running game, the Seahawks have had a, a lot of tremendous success. Go back to Marshawn Lynch. They won a Super Bowl, Marshawn Lynch. And they got to the Super Bowl with Marshawn Lynch at running back. You know, And they, they, they've played in the Super Bowl with Solid running back play. Now, the running back play now is down to Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, CJ Prost, Mike Davis. Listen, they still can't figure out who the running back is. And Rashad Penny, the guy they drafted, a guy they were very, very high on, came to camp a little overweight and, and just didn't stand out, which is kind of ironic, you know. And you can't come in, Rashad, bigger than what you were. He was a bigger, he was a lot bigger than what he was at San Diego State. Still had this injury with the finger, but most importantly, he came in overweight. So until he can show the promise show at San Diego State, this is Chris Carson's job to lose. Speaking of jobs to lose, the most the team that has the biggest transition, especially uh, 
uh, things to lose is the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are a team that are, trans like I said, another team that is transitioning. Uh, gone is Carson Palmer, a guy that had been, you know, part of the Arizona Cardinals, especially the revive over the last few years. Tyron Matthew, the defensive side of the ball, is now gone. This is another team that's in transition. They're transitioning to the days of Josh Rosen because we all know Sam Bradford is the starting quarterback for now, but Sam Bradford has an injury history that goes longer than a lot of people's uh, tax history records. Um, Bradford is an injury-prone quarterback, and we've all known this, but when he's on the field, Bradford's good. But the one thing about Sam Bradford is that he's not on the field. David Johnson is turning off a season in the injury. And like I said, Johnson is... I mentioned before, Gurley, you mentioned uh, Le'Veon Bell in previous podcasts, Ezekiel Elliott. David Johnson's right there as far as one of the best running backs in the NFL. He does everything, a do-it-all type of running back. And then you have Larry Fitzgerald uh, on one wing, uh, receiver. Uh, they lost John Brown to uh, Baltimore. They, you know, Michael Floyd, they, they had a very good receiver call a couple years ago. Now it's Larry Fitzgerald, Chad Williams on the side with J.J. Nelson. I like Christian Kirk as a young, uh, um, as another guy that could be a, a guy that could step into that role. But the Cardinals aren't the same Cardinals. This is not your, 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 your couple years ago Cardinals team, especially when it comes to the talent, the offense side of the ball. Fitzgerald's getting older. The good thing is that Sam Bradford, when he is in the game, should be able to, you know, connect with, with Fitzgerald on the field. Now Larry's had, you know, a multitude of quarterbacks. And, you know, not having Carson Palmer around, but, but he still produces. Larry still produces at a high, a high level. Last year caught 109 passes. You know, people thought he was done in 2014 after he had his worst season of his career. What he did the last three years, he averaged over 108 catches um, in the last three seasons, uh, over 1,000 yards every year. It's just like he's just getting better and better with age. And Larry's not, let's say, look, Larry's not a spring chicken. Larry is 30, 35 years old. Just turned 35 a couple days ago. Happy late birthday, Larry. Um... It's just the Cardinals' offense isn't where it used to be, and the defense is now weakened with Tyron, like the loss of Tyron Matthew. Um, Patrick Peterson is still there, uh, still one of the best corners in the NFL. Start slowing down a little bit. Jamar, Jamar Taylor's going to be opposite side. Benny uh, Benekway is going to be a, 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 third, a nickel back corner. They still have Anton Bethea at safety. Like I said, they're still missing. They're going to be missing the Honey Badger at second at strong safety. Um, Chandler Jones is still one is one of the more underrated pass rushers in the entire league. Corey Pierce on the defensive line. Listen, Arizona's a solid team, but they're in a division that's very, very strong from top to bottom. Um, I'm just not sure, especially with the situation with Sam Bradford's health. Like I said, not because he's coming into the injury, because he has such, such a lengthy history on the injury side of things. I'm not sure can he carry Arizona that far. And even if he doesn't, can the rookie Josh Rosen can he carry Arizona? This is going to be a, a weird year for Arizona, but remember, once they get Rosen in the game, get Rosen some snaps, Rosen will be just fine. I think he'll be a solid quarterback in the NFL. Speaking of Chandler Jones, he had 17 sacks last season. And the team that everybody's talking about in the NFC this year is the, the team that has awakened themselves out in the Bay Area, the San Francisco 49ers. They had, to me, a great end of the season, had a lot of momentum. And then the, the signing of Jared McKinnick just went down because McKinnick's now gone for the season. And now the, the real question is what are they going to do with the running game? Offensively, Jimmy Garofalo had a phenomenal stretch run with the, with the Niners last year after the trade for New England. Jimmy G's got the entire Bay Area, you know, ready to support him. Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Gasson on the outside. I uh, like Trent Taylor at receiver. Uh, George Kelly and Garrick Selleck are going to be solid at the tight end position. But the question for Jimmy G in the offense is that the running game has lost Jared McKinnon. Now, you know McKinnon didn't have exactly the best season in, in Minnesota last season. Uh, they brought him in to be the starting running back. Now you're down to Alfred Morris and Matt Breida. And Matt Breida, I'm just not buying those two guys at the running back position. Alfred Morris, he's had a solid career, but Alfred Morris doesn't, for me, say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. This is the guy that's going to help do it. Moira Morris was pr productive his first couple years in the NFL. He had 1,600 yard seasons back in 2012, but the last couple years hasn't had the production like he's had. You know, he started to slow down in Washington, had two okay seasons in Dallas, nothing to write home about, but he's going to have every opportunity with Matt Breida to win the job at the running back position. Offense line is solid with Joe Staley um, um, leading that defensive line, offensive line, and I like Mike McGinchy on the right on the right tackle side of things. Defensively, 
Hey, listen, the Niners have a very, very good defense. DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, very, very good defensive defensive four. I like Reuben Foster in the middle linebacker position. They added Richard Sherman to be the captain of the defense. Sherman's prime, no, still one of the better corners in the NFL. Not sure if he's still the same shutdown corner that he was years ago, but he's still an upper uh, upper tier corner uh, back there. Uh, I like Adrian Colbert at safety, a very, very good sleeper guy. If you're looking for IDP players in fantasy, especially on the safety side of things. The Niners had all of this hype all summer. It's just that now with the Jarrett McKenna injury, I'm not sure if I could buy the 49ers going as one of those teams uh, in the NFC uh, to be dangerous, down, uh, to, to, to make a lot of noise. Speaking of noise, let's go with the NFC South to close things out before we uh, do predictions and let you know where I have everybody going. The division champions last year with New Orleans Saints. They had Drew Brees. Uh, Mark Ingram is, is out for the first couple of games due to you know his suspension. Um, and when he comes back, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram is the best duo running back in the NFL. Kamara was just phenomenal all over the field. He's going to have that same type role this year. Uh, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn, and don't sleep on the rookie, Traquan Smith and Cameron Meredith. They're going to score a lot of points. The New Orleans Saints will score points. Ben Watson and Josh Hill, your tight ends. Once again, the Saints will score a lot of points. They trade for Trey Bridgewater. So now they have an insurance policy if Breeze goes down. This offense might be the best offense that Drew Breeze has had in his New Orleans tenure. Let me say this again. This is the best this might this is the best offense that Drew Breeze has had in his tenure when Mark Ingram gets back in the lineup. They signed Mike Gillespie yesterday as well, too. Uh, they signed him on Sunday. The Saints are loaded offensively. And you know the good thing about the Saints is that. Their defense is just about as good as the offense is. They return. Uh, Marcus Lattimore had a phenomenal rookie season. Was one was by Pro Football Weekly. Is one of the best cornerbacks statistically wise in the NFL. Ken Crawley was underrated last year. Even though Marcus Williams had the crazy play at the end of the game in the playoffs against the, against uh, Minnesota, don't let that fool you. Marcus Williams had a solid season. Uh, Kirk Coleman is going to come in and replace Kay Vaccaro. Coleman is actually a really really good safety in Carolina last season. That's your back four. Let's go to the front seven. Cameron Jordan was a Pro Bowl last year. Sheldon Rankins had a very good season. Marcus Davenport, Alex Okafor on the defensive line. Manti Taylor had a very, very underrated sleeper type season. Linebacking core might be the weakest of the three of the three areas for New Orleans, but once again, the Saints are loaded all over the field. The only thing is that there's another team that might have an even better offense, but. They've got to get all together, and that team is the Atlanta Falcons. Matt Ryan was the MVP two seasons ago. You have another dynamic duo, a, guy, a duo that's just about as good as Kamari Ingram and Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. They drafted Cal really the first round to go along with Julio Jones, who's about to get paid when he proves that his numbers will go up this season. Mohamed Sanu is now be much more of a slot receiver and a possession guy. Austin Hooper is your tight end. They are good everywhere. Alex Mack is leading the offense line with Jake Matthews. Atlanta's defense is a lot better. They were a top 10 defense last year. The Falcons have may had issues over the last couple years with the defense. The defense was solid last year. It was the offense that didn't get it done last year. Vic Beasley on the outside, Grady Jarrett, Brooks Reed. Very, very good front four. Um, Terrell McClain has got to do what Damari Poe uh, did last season for, for Atlanta. If he steps in that, in DeBar, uh, that Poe role, I think Atlanta's front four will be solid. Uh, Deion Jones is one of the best young linebackers in the league. Duke Riley had a solid season. The corners, Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford, are very, very solid corners. Ricardo Allen does take a lot of chances. And Keanu Neal is is in that group of young safeties that I mentioned before. Ha-ha Clinton Dix. Um, uh, Brady James, that I mentioned in, in the podcast yesterday for, um, for the Chargers. They're that group of young safeties that are going to take it to the next level. Atlanta has a lot of talent. But the problem is, last year's offense... Didn't get it done. Matt Ryan was not the same quarterback once they lost Kyle Shanahan to San Francisco under Steve Sarkeesian. If your number two for Ryan goes reverts and he puts up numbers that he had his MVP season, Atlanta is the most dangerous team other than New Orleans in the entire NFC. Speaking of teams that can make some noise, the Carolina Panthers are back with Cam the quarterback. Anytime you have a quarterback that can move and be mobile, it's dangerous. Newton, listen, Newton takes a lot of contact. But Christian McCaffrey is a guy that makes a lot of impact when he touches the ball. He didn't get a lot of, he didn't get as many touches that we thought last season. Jonathan Stewart's now gone. Christian McCaffrey will be the every down back in Carolina. They're going to see, you're going to see him put all over the field. Greg Olson is one of the best tight ends in the NFL. The real question of Carolina offense side of the ball is 
Can they get something out of Devin Funches? They brought in Torrey Smith from Baltimore. I like the rookie DJ more. If Newton can find some accuracy and 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 not take as much contact because the offense line is a little bit shaky, Carolina can score points just like New Orleans and Atlanta can. Now, the one thing that Carolina does have is, is a very, very good defense. Um, the, the ageless Julius Peppers is still rushing the passer. Mario Addison is going to be starting on the other side. Kevon Short and, Devo- and Datari Poe are a, a great unit, a great duo at the defensive tackle spot. And they're protecting Luke Keekley, who's one of the best middle linebackers in the league. Thomas Davis has been a complete stalwart on the right, on the right side. On one side of the linebacker, course, Shaq Thompson is going on the other side. The question is, can the cornerbacks hold up? The front seven is going to get pressure. Uh, can James Bradway and Dante Jackson get it done? Cameron uh, Marlin, he's been there for a while. Still hasn't turned that corner. Uh, Mike Adams and Norris Searcy are your starting safeties. But really, Caroline gets their pressure from the front seven. If the front seven's pressuring then the corners don't have as much pressure. Here's the problem. The rest of the division, they have receivers. If any division has receivers, it's the NFC South. They're loaded at receiver because the last team in the division is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I haven't talked about the Buccaneers. Our team, superly talented. Here's the problem. They're starting quarterbacks out for the first couple games because he's been sus- the first three games because he's been suspended. Ryan Fitzpatrick goes in for Jameis Winston and their first three games of Tampa's schedule is not pretty. I mean, you're looking at uh, yeah, uh, New Orleans week one, you're looking at Pittsburgh, you're looking at Philadelphia in the first three weeks of the season while Winston is out away from the team with a suspension. Tampa probably might, there's a good chance Tampa go 0-3. They have talent at receiver. Like I said, I mentioned receivers. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Austin, uh, Adam Humphreys are your three receivers. Don't sleep on Chris Godwin. Very, very good group of tight ends with uh, O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. They can pressure the ball. They can, they can score points. The problem is the running game is not exactly where it was. Doug Martin is now in Oakland. Ronald Jones hasn't really won the starting job. Peyton Barber is the starting running back for now. Him and Jones are going to split carries. Jaquiz Rogers will probably get some touches here and there, especially on third down because he's such a good receiver. If Peyton Barber can 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 get and elevate himself to be a better running back than what we're thinking, then maybe we have something here. But the one thing about Peyton Barber is that um, Barber, when given the opportunity, he had a 100-yard game against Green Bay, but outside that 100-yard game, he's just struggled. He had one game over 60 yards in the last in the last month of the season, and that was a game against New Orleans. We only had 71. The running game for them is not exactly the strength point. The offensive line's still a little suspect, a little bit shaky, and a division that does have very, very good pass rushers. Vic Beasley, uh, Julius Peppers, I mentioned before, um, Cameron Jordan, there are pass rushers everywhere in the division, and right now, with a sitting target being Ryan Fitzpatrick, it could be a, a real, real problem as the, as the season goes by. Now, defensively, for the, the Bucks, Gerald McCoy, still one of the best in the entire NFL. Vit Villa, a uh, very underrated defensive tackle. You have Jason Pierre-Paul, Vinny Curry on the defensive end side of things. Uh, Levante David, still a stalwart at linebacker. Brett Grimes is a lot better than people give him credit for him. People know, know him more for his wife than he does on the field. I like Vernon Hargraves, the guy they drafted in Florida a couple years ago. Very solid at the safety position. But the real thing is, they're in a division where three teams have a chance to make the playoffs. And that's why the Bucks are going to be where they are. So, so I close the podcast out. Let me give my predictions. Let's start from top to bottom. Let's go back to the division we talked with first, the, Phil, uh, the NFC East. is really Philadelphia and everybody else. The division is not very strong. The Eagles, even though they're going to be missing Carson Wentz for the first stretch of the season, I don't expect Wentz to be available at, on, for Atlanta on, thir- on Thursday night. I, I, for me, I'm expecting Carson, uh, Carson Wentz sometime early October, maybe week four, when we still get, look at Tennessee, but definitely by week five against Minnesota. Listen, Foles will be fine the first three, four weeks of the season. Eagles fans have nothing to worry about. The rest of the division is going to struggle. Dallas has issues at receiver, and the defense and Sean Lee can't stay healthy on defense. The Giants have a lot of offense. Offensive line's not very good. And can the defense make enough plays? Washington, hey, Alex Smith is there. Great game manager. Problem is, Alex Smith doesn't have all the weapons. Jordan Reed has to stay healthy. Don't have a solid running game. And the defense is going to give a lot of points because the rest of the teams in the division can score points. Philly wins the division at 12 and 4. I have Dallas at 7 and 9. Giants 6 and 10. Washington 5 and 11. Let's go to the NFC North. The North is led by the Minnesota Vikings. Like I said, they were a quarterback away from making the Super Bowl last year. Inner Kirk Cousins. The Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is fine. Aaron Rodgers got paid. It all the offense all depends on what Reggie Cobb can do, Randall Cobb can do in the role of Jordy Nelson. He goes back to Randall Cobb a couple years ago. The pack offense is going to be even more dangerous with Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis 
also on the offensive side of the ball. The one thing the Packers is that can the Packers defend enough to keep Rodgers, to get Rodgers enough chance to score enough points. Detroit will score points, but the real question is, can carry on Johnson, carry on the offensive running attack. If they can get inside the goal line within two or three yards, the Garrett Blunt is going to get touchdowns. I expect Garrett, uh, Garrett to get 10 this year. I don't expect Darius Slay to have another eight interception year because teams will throw on him, but the rest of the secondary will get tested, especially when you have talented receivers in the division. Chicago with Mitchell Trubisky, it's all on him. It's just all on Trubisky. They have a good running game with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. They have Really, they have really good, they have really good receivers. I like Al Robinson, Taylor Gabriel. I guess say Anthony Moe is a guy you want to look at on at the receiving core. A defense that is one of the best in the NFL. It all depends on a second-year quarterback. That's why I can't bet on it. Minnesota eleven and five, Green Bay ten and six, Detroit nine and seven, Bears six and ten. NFC West. Listen, the Rams have the best defense in the probably the best defense in the NFC. Talent-wise, top to bottom. I know Phil, I mentioned Philadelphia. I mentioned how good New Orleans is. Those, those are, in, those, in Minnesota, those are very, very good defenses. The Rams just have that pass-rushing skill with Brockers and Donald and now Sue coming directly down your, your, your pipe. Jared Goff, which Jared Goff we're going to get? Is it the Jared Goff that we saw in the regular season or is it the Jared Goff that we saw in the playoff game last year? If it's the Jared Goff in the regular season, then this record is not going to be what it is. Seattle... It's still losing guys and Legion of Boom, that, that transitional phase. But as long as you have Russell Wilson at quarterback, you have a chance to win. The, the, the San Francisco 49ers are a team that has been the talk of the entire NFL. The problem, real question now is the running game. Matt Breida, Alfred Morris are real suspect of the running back. Jimmy G is going to be, I think, have a good year. Watch Marquise Goodwin have a 1,000-yard receiver season at, um, at wide receiver. I like um, the moves they've made. I'm just not sold on the running game, especially when you have teams like Seattle and, and, and uh, the Rams that have very, very good defenses. you got to be able to run the football. I'm not too sure about the 49ers. The, the, the Cardinals are in transition. They're going to be in a lot of shootouts. The problem is the front seven outside Chandler Jones. Can they get enough pressure? Jones had 17 sacks last year. Can they find somebody to give him another 10 uh, individual-wise? And how many times are people going to try Patrick Pierce in, in the division? The loss of Tyron is going to be huge. Rams 10 and 6, Seattle 9 and 7, San Francisco 8 and 8, Arizona 4 and 12. Last division we talked about was the NFC South. New Orleans, Atlanta, Carolina, three teams are going to fight for the playoffs. Tampa might be the best team that's that's under five wins all season. They're going to give the rest of the division a lot of problems. Not having James Winston for the first three games doesn't help. And a division, your first three games, New Orleans, uh, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh are all three losses. Don't forget. You still got to play Atlanta twice, you still got to play Carolina twice, and another meet with New Orleans. You lose all those games right then and there, that's already nine losses. That's already technically eight losses right there, and we haven't even gotten the rest of the part of the season. That's the reason why the Bucs are not better than where they are. The Saints have one of the best offenses in the NFL, top to bottom, hands down. Defense is getting better. I love Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Ken Crawley is very underrated. Cameron Jordan had a phenomenal season defensively. Like I mentioned before, it lands all depending on how Matt Ryan adjusts to year number two of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. If the adjustment goes really well, Atlanta is underrated in this division. Carolina has weapons. Can Cam Newton become accurate enough to get the ball to his playmakers? I love Christian McCaffrey this year. McCaffrey is going to be a, a guy in fantasy football that really, because he's a run and pass catch guy, we're playing him in the... Um, in the PPR league, which is point per catch league, Christian McCaffrey might be a top seven player. Remember, when Cam Newton's at his best and he's accurate, Carolina wins football games. The problem is Cam Newton has to hit 60% pass, uh, 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 60% completion percentage since 2013. It's not been good. If Newton can get to 62, 63%, Carolina is scary. Tampa, like I said before, has the weapons. The running game is a little bit suspect. The offense line is not all there. And the defense can only do so much. It all depends on what Jameis does when he comes back. Fitzpatrick's a game manager. He's a sitting target. They're going to get obliterated the first weeks anyway. So, New Orleans 11-5, uh, Atlanta 10-6, Carolina 9-7, and Tampa 4-12. So, what does that leave for the playoffs? I am going a little over the podcast, so let's hear how it goes. I had Philly at 12-4, so they'll have the bye. New Orleans will be 11-5. They'll have the tiebreaker bye because they'll beat Minnesota in the season. So, those two teams will have the buys. So you look at that wild card, uh, those two division winners, you have Minnesota and the Rams. They'll be the winners. Uh, they'll be playing uh, open week of the playoffs. Atlanta has the wild card. And I have Green Bay at 10-6 at the wild card as well, too. Playoff matchups, the way they end up, you'll see uh, Atlanta go to Minnesota, and you'll see um, Green Bay head towards the Rams. 
I like Green Bay beating the I like the Rams beating Green Bay in the opening round of the playoffs, and I have Atlanta. I have uh, Minnesota beating Atlanta. You're looking at an NFC champion. Uh, you're looking at New Orleans getting to the NFC Championship game against Philadelphia. And I have the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl this year. I do believe in, in this offense. Like I said, this is the best offense Breeze has had. Might be the most talented offense the, 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 the Saints have had in the Drew Breeze era. And I mean, this team won a Super Bowl with Breeze. This offense is that good. Wait till Mark Ingram comes back after suspension. Ingram is anything he was last year with Kamara. The receivers, he has better receivers than he had last year. And, and watch Traquan Smith, watch Karen and Meredith. They're going to be dangerous in the wings. They're going to score a lot of points. So, here's my Super Bowl prediction. I have the Jackson Jaguars with the best defensive football against the best offensive football in New Orleans Saints. In Atlanta in the Super Bowl, I see the Jacksonville Jaguars winning the Super Bowl. This is the Jaguars' year. Somehow Blake Bortles does not revert. The defense for Jacksonville is good. They're going to find receiving help. I'm big on D.D. Westbrook. I love Keenan Cole. The Jaguars somehow get together. Leonard Fournette's going to have a big season. I have Jacksonville win the Super Bowl over New Orleans in the Super Bowl in Atlanta in February. So, tell me what you think. Follow the show. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, the number three, Thompson. On Twitter, check me out on uh, Pro Player Insiders. Also, check out the website. And we're going to be doing more of these podcasts. You'll hear one for week one coming up very soon. And we'll start having guests. And you'll be more than just my voice talking. So, I want to know your thoughts and opinions. This is Danny Thompson from the Pro Player Insiders podcast. Catch you guys later. my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.